Welcome to Podcast Against Antisemitism, the show that takes a deep dive into the world's oldest hatred. I'm Ellie, your host, and you can join us for new episodes every Thursday. Subscribe now at antisemitism.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss a show. You can also watch the podcast on our YouTube channel and please consider leaving us a nice review so we can grow our listenership. It makes a big difference. My guest today is Eitan Bernath, the award-winning chef, entertainer, author, TV personality, and activist who has amassed three billion annual video views from a global audience of over 10 million fans across social media. Eitan is the president and CEO of Eitan Productions, the principal culinary contributor on the Daytime Emmy Award-winning CBS program, The Drew Barrymore Show, which made him the first TikTok star to expand into a recurring role on daytime television. He is also a contributor to The Washington Post, Food and Wine, and Saveur, and his best-selling debut cookbook, Eitan Eats the World, was published in May of last year. He's the youngest person ever named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list in the 2022 food and drink class. And if that wasn't enough, he is a proud Jew who uses his platform to speak about Jewish pride and to combat anti-Semitism. Eitan, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, look, it's it's a real pleasure. And before we sort of uh, dive in to the world of anti-Semitism, uh, I just want to get to know you a bit more. Let me ask you, what first drew you into the world of food? Uh, I love eating, uh, which, which is the <laughs> true answer. Um, I've always just loved food. Um, I've loved eating food. I've loved, you know, I've always appreciated since, since I can remember as a young kid, like I didn't just eat food to live, you know, I lived to eat. Um, and, you know, at a young age, I developed this love of food. I loved watching food media on television, on YouTube, on the internet. Um, and eventually, you know, I start, kept asking my mom, oh, can you make this I saw on TV? Can you make that? And eventually she's like, well, why don't you try to make it? And so I got in the kitchen uh, and I really just fell in love with cooking the creative process, you know, being able to watch your food from point A to point C. Um, and, you know, also just practically, it was like, oh, wow, if I cook this, I can then eat whatever I want uh, or to some degree, because I still have to listen to my parents. But uh, that that uh, that element really, I think, kind of for little Aton was was what made me obsessed with cooking. For sure. I mean, obviously, you are uh, leagues ahead of uh, probably where I ever will be. But I do cook a bit. And I have also found that it opens up a sense of freedom. Oh, I didn't realize I could eat this. I can do what I want to an extent. Yeah. Um, how How did you turn your passion into a career? So when I was 11, I competed on the first ever kids episode of Chopped um, on the Food Network. Um, it was called Short Order Cooks because it was like the first kids episode. And at that point, cooking was just kind of my obsession, my like passion. Um, and comp after competing on Chopped, I started doing cooking demonstrations around um, the U.S. And um, I started a food blog, an Instagram page, a Facebook page. And I kind of started documenting my culinary journey. And I very quickly was like, oh, wow, okay, I want this to be my business. And so I'd start monetizing my website, started monetizing my Instagram through paid partnerships with different brands that wanted to reach my audience. Um, and I've kept at it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very much like a workaholic and I'm a very routine person. And so, um, you know, I started weekly food blogging when I was um, 11 years old. And right now I've transitioned to doing mostly video but I kept that up for years. Um, and, you know, obviously now as the market's evolved, I've evolved with how I release, but I've kept up that, 
you know, very consistent at this point I post daily um, of food content. Mm. I mean, you mentioned you've transitioned to video. I think that's that's an understatement. Your TikTok has over 2 uh, million uh, followers, which is incredibly impressive. And uh, a fair amount of your videos, um, in addition to food, discuss uh, what it means to be a proud Jew. Now, obviously, this looks different for everyone. So uh, what does it mean to you to be a proud Jewish person? To me, being a proud Jewish person means being unapologetically proud of our heritage, our past, our future, our present and our future. Um, you know, I think right now we live in a time when not only anti-Semitism is on the rise, but, you know, Jewish knowledge of Jewish history and Holocaust education is at an all-time low. And, you know, the internet is both an incredible thing and, a, and also a very divisive um, tool. And, you know, we as Jews have, you know, dealt with anti-Semitism for, for years. And I think, you know, we have to be proud Jews in new ways. You know, it's, you know, we not only, you know, need to fend for ourselves in real life, you know, whether it's wearing a kippah or wearing a mug and David or other Jewish identifiers, you know, out in the real world, um, you know, it's important that we're loud and proud also online because, you know, just as loud and proud as we are, there's people who are loud and proud against us. And so I think being a proud Jew today in 2023, um, to me means, you know, being loud and proud on all fronts um, and, you know, making sure that our history is known, our identity is known, um, and that we can continue to practice our religion and, you know, our cultural um, traditions in peace and harmony. Exactly. And um, as you say, it's so important that, that we, uh, we we know about who we are and our, and our, our past and our future and our present. Um, you, you recently did a tour of India, during which time you made a video uh, in which you explored the synagogues of Mumbai. I thought that was amazing. How did you find that experience? It was incredible. Uh, so I was in India for three weeks and I had always dreamed of going to India. I love Indian cuisine, Indian culture. My best friend and next door neighbor growing up um, is Indian. And I like we grew up in each other's households and each other's cultures with each other's food. And uh, the trip was incredible. And I really when I was in Mumbai, I really wanted to make sure I got to see the Jewish history. Um, you know, I'm fascinated by, you know, the diversity among us Jews. You know, here in the U.S., you know, a lot of people like view Jews just as Ashkenazi, you know, white skinned Jews. But in reality, you know, across the world and even in the US, we're a very diverse people. There's Ashkenazi Jews. I was also just in Ethiopia um, last week um, with Ethiopia, or was last week? Is it last week or the week before that? The times have blurred. Um, <laughs> with Ethiopian Jews and, you know, seeing um, those those Indian Jewish synagogues was really incredible. You know, the similarities between the synagogues and then also the differences. I found that fascinating. You know, what was similar? What was different? What are the elements of Indian culture that then bleed into the synagogue? Um, and I think just, you know, being on the other side of the world from where I live, you know, opening a sitter and, you know, seeing the same, if not very similar words, in Hebrew, also in, uh, you know, in Hindi, or I think there was a different local language. It, it was truly incredible. And, you know, really just, you know, a moment to, to remember the diversity among us Jews. Mm, it sounds like an absolutely amazing experience. And as you say, it's really important that um, Jewish representation across the world is shown. And it's not just this, oh, Jews are all white type thing. Um, so I really yeah. love that you you show that in your video. Um, you know, it seems 
that sometimes when creators amass large platforms such as yourself, they tend to shy away from speaking out on topics that may be deemed unfashionable in order to play it safe and not risk losing any followers. Anti-Semitism is not a particularly trendy issue to speak about in no small part due to the misconception that Jews are somehow privileged and therefore making it seem like they're complaining about nothing when in fact we both know that the truth is anti-Semitism is dangerous and it can be deadly and it is rising, unfortunately. Um, Eitan, why have you made the decision not to shy away from discussing anti-Semitism? Yeah, so I think, you know, the way I see it is anytime you stand up for something online or even in person, but if specifically online, you're doing it because there's there's people that disagree. You know, you know, no one no one's going online and being like, I support humans drinking water. Like, of course, like there, there's no one there's no one who disagrees that humans need water to survive. Um, so by, by the nature of needing to stand up for something, there are people that oppose it. You, there wouldn't be a need to stand up for something if there weren't. And so, you know, anytime on social media, you choose to align yourself, whether it's a social issue, a political issue, um, a, a cause, uh, uh, you know, a, a, something of the sort, um, you know, you are choosing to take on that risk of the backlash or what can come towards you. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, I've grown up, um, I've grown up in the public eye, you know, I started um, working in entertainment when I was 11 years old. Uh, I'm 21 now. So for me, you know, I've been doing this now for about a decade. And I haven't always on my platform been as loud about combating anti-Semitism. Now, to be fair, I was a teenager. Um, and so, so like, I also wasn't knowledgeable. I also was still in high school and learning and figuring out life and gaining confidence. Um, but, you know, as I've grown into myself as a young adult, um, this is something that's very important to me. And, you know, in general, you know, I, I've used my platforms to, to advocate for and um, to, to support different causes, um, and you know, every time you do so, you have to t you have to make a business decision. Because at the end of the day, you know, my my platforms are a business. I have employees, I have whose salaries I have to pay. I rely on the income from my business. Um, you know, it, it's a business. At the end of the day, it's, you know, I don't run a charity. I run a business. And all other content creators and people in public eye, they run businesses, not charities. Um, and so you do have to take that into account. And the way I see it with combating anti-Semitism and standing up for um, standing up for the Jewish people or whether it's advocating for Israel is I will be Jewish until the day I die and I will be anti-Semitism will affect me until the day I die and it will affect my children and grandchildren and so on. And so the way I see it is that whatever risk comes with it, and it does, I mean, most times when I post, whether it's about the Holocaust education or about combating anti-Semitism or Israel, I lose many, many thousands of followers um, and get, you know, thousands and thousands of hateful messages. Um, I have grown a very thick skin from doing this since I was, um, you know, a kid. Uh, but that that does come with the territory. Um, I mean, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, uh, unfortunately, um, being an online Jewish creator, uh, yeah, you, you, you probably will receive anti-Semitism. The first couple of times this happened, did this catch you off guard or, or did you think this could happen? Um, I think for me, I, I, I expected it. Um, you know, there, you know, anti-Semitism isn't new. What's new is the mass communication tools that anti-Semites now can use to spread their anti-Semitism. Um, 
But, you know, the way I see it is I, I, I am 100% of the time okay with the ramifications that come with me posting on social media um, in support of, um, you know, my fellow Jews and combating anti-Semitism because that hate exists out there. And I think, you know, when I receive that, I, it's not a, I, it's not something I take personally. It's, you know, it's a, it's a large systemic ginormous issue um, that is perpetrated by all sorts of things, whether it's media, whether it's fictional stories that portray Jews negatively, whether it's, you know, biased media when it comes to Jewish stories or Israel. Um, so, you know, I think for me, it wasn't surprising, but I think, you know, it's never fun, you know, getting messages or getting death threats for, you know, various things I post about um, being Jewish or, you know, like very scary, awful messages um, and comments isn't enjoyable at all. And it's sad that exists out there, but, um, you know, I, I believe that the the positive effects of, of advocating severely outweigh any negative effects it has. And then also on me, like, I expect it. Like, I don't get a message now that's like, oh, you're a dirty Jew, like, F you. Like, like, that does, like, of course that's coming my way. And so I think for me, it doesn't affect me, but um, it's definitely scary, obviously, that that exists out there. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the time when these things happen... Uh creators or, or or whoever's really receiving it they they may not just want to draw attention to it they may kind of think okay let's report it and let's move that aside and hope it doesn't happen again instead uh what i like about you is you spoke about how in uh one video you made a post commemorating the holocaust and you are inundated with comments saying free palestine you explained why this is anti-semitic uh what prompted you to make a video about that incident and what were you hoping that people would take away from the video? Yeah. So, you know, being a Jewish creator online or in, in the public eye, you receive comments about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict on everything you do. Now, I'm a believer that, you know, if I make a video about Israel or about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or in support of the Israeli government or or the Israeli people, anything relating to Israel, I am more okay. I think it's not, I do not think it's anti-Semitic for someone to comment free Palestine on a post I make or anyone makes about Israel or the conflict. Um, you know, it's a very complex issue. Um, you know, it's, I, I mean, I, I consider myself well-versed on it, but it's even more complex than I, I could even fully understand. Um, and I do believe that, you know, those people, it is not wrong of them to support, you know, who they support. Um, you know, I, I support the Palestinian people having their own land and self-determination and live peacefully alongside, um, you know, the Jewish people and the state of Israel. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm supporter of a two-state solution. Um, however, where it becomes anti-Semitic is when people comment Free Palestine on a Jewish person's post that has nothing to do with Israel or the Palestinian people. Um, and the reason for that is because Jewish people, the, the, someone being Jewish has nothing to do with the actions of the Israeli government. Um, you know, that, that, is, that is just not, you, you cannot equate every action of a Jewish person. And the way I say this is, let's say you imagine um, a Chinese person is posting a recipe for the Chinese New Year of whatever dish they're making traditionally for their family. Could you imagine if someone commented on that, free the, the Uyghur uh, Muslims? Or like how or, or comments, you know, 
you know, going against, like speaking against the Chinese government and like, how dare you Chinese people do this to the weaker people? That would be so insanely xenophobic. Uh, that would be racist. That would be bigoted. That would be extremely inappropriate. That is exactly the same when it comes to Jewish people and people commenting free Palestine on their posts. It is exactly the same. Now, for some reason, it is treated differently, I believe, in a lot of society. You know, people think that, you know, if a Jewish school has an event that it's appropriate to protest outside, um, you know, in support of the Palestinian people when it has nothing to do with that. Um, you know, that that is the gist of it. Uh, it. Imagine any other ethnic group celebrating their ethnicity or, and or religion and getting a pro getting getting those type of comments. Um, and, you know, it's just it, it is a form of anti-Semitism and, you know, it is it is not OK and needs to be called out. And unfortunately, it, it is rampant. Well, you're exactly uh, you're exactly correct. And uh, holding Jews accountable for the uh, actions of the Israeli state is one of the 11 examples of the IHIA definition of anti-Semitism, the international definition of anti-Semitism, um, that qualifies as anti-Semitism. And, and it's enough of a prominent thing that they, it has to be said, because um, it happens quite a lot. Also to add, um, what I think is an important distinction is, you know, I, as an American citizen, support the existence of America. I support overall majority, not going to say overall majority, I support a lot of things America does. I don't support probably about 50% of the other part. You know, America, the United States of America is a very polarized country right now. Um, you know, politically, basically everyone on either side of the aisle agrees with about 50% and disagrees with about 50%. And, you know, when it comes to Israel, I wholeheartedly support the state of Israel and the existence of the state of Israel. I believe the state of Israel needs to exist for the existence of Jewish people and security of Jewish people around the entire world. And as a Jew living in the U.S. with rising anti-Semitism, it makes me feel safe knowing that Israel exists. And if, God forbid, the United States, which I don't believe it will, but if the United States ever got completely unsafe for Jews to live in or as many countries, you know, I was just in Ethiopia and it is not safe for Jews to live in Ethiopia. They are discriminated against in Ethiopia. They are able to move to Israel. And so I I unwaveringly, unapologetically support the existence of the state of Israel. Do I support every single thing the state of Israel does? Of course not. There is not a country in the world that probably anyone supports every single thing that country does. However, when it comes to Israel, there's an absolutism that is, you know, used in discourse online that if you support the existence of Israel, then you that 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 means you support every single thing the Israeli government and the Israeli military ever do and ever will do, which is not something that is put on any other group of people in the entire world. No one looks at a Chinese person or at a person from Iran or a person from any country on earth whose government does things and holds them accountable because they support the existence of that state. And that is one of the one of the reasons why it is so, so important to call this out, uh, because it is only done to the Jewish people. Like period. Right. And you're actually touching upon another example of the international definition of anti-Semitism there. You're an expert here, uh, which is to treat Israel uh, with double standards in a way you wouldn't with another country. As you say, uh, people don't really question uh, the rights of America to exist. Um, I, I want to ask you about this. You, you recently spoke with the second gentleman of the United States, Douglas Emhoff, about the rise in anti-Semitism. What was that like for you? Yes. So um, the second gentleman, um, you know, 
being the second gentleman, not only the first um, male spouse of a president or vice president, but he's the first Jewish spouse. Um, and I take a lot of pride in that. And, you know, seeing him in his position, um, you know, is really inspiring and re representation matters. And he's a great example of that. And, you know, um, the second gentleman uses his platform in a really great way. And actually, I just saw him um, earlier this week um, at the White House's Jewish um, American Heritage Month um, reception. I was sitting um, right behind him and um, we schmoozed for a bit. Um, you know, he to me is a really great example of someone who is, you know, was given a platform, you know, he didn't, you know, sign up to be the second gentleman, you know, he uh, is married to the vice president. Um, and he kind of, you know, fell into this role. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed my conversation with him. And, you know, he did lead a roundtable a few months back um, uh, with different members of the White House and with Jewish leaders throughout the U.S. Um, about anti-Semitism and how to combat it. And actually, the United States um, uh, through the White House is releasing um, a strategy, I believe in the next week or two, um, to um, about how they plan on combating anti-Semitism. I believe it's like a four-part strategy I was, they were telling me about when I was there. Um, and I think my discussion with him was very important because, you know, anti-Semitism can't just be fought by Jews. You know, we, it needs to be a, a large approach. Everyone needs to care about it, um, you know, in the same way that anti-Black racism needs to be, you know, fought against by everyone, not just members of the Black community, the same way as xenophobia needs to be um, fought against, not just by people um, in the, the Asian community. Um, you know, that's, that's the key. You know, the government needs to care about it. And I think, you know, him using his platform to bring that attention is, is really incredible. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with the fight against anti-Semitism, why not subscribe to Campaign Against Anti-Semitism? Visit antisemitism.org slash act or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. It's interesting in, in the United States right now because there's a rise in antisemitism uh, across the world we're seeing, but certainly in the United States, where I believe in um, October, shortly after um, Kanye West's uh, rampant anti-Semitic uh, vitriol, uh, President Joe Biden had to make a public announcement to say, just to remind everyone, the Holocaust is not fabricated. The Holocaust uh, did really happen. Um, as someone living in the United States, a Jewish person living in the United States, um, what are your thoughts on, on the rise of anti-Semitism more generally? How does that make you feel when it gets to the level of a presidential announcement? Yeah, that was, I think, very upsetting for the president to have to make it clear that the Holocaust happened and was real. You know, um, it's it's deeply concerning and, and scary, I would say, that that there are people who like people who that there are people who feverishly try to minimize the holocaust and even deny its occurrence uh and that's just a tool to justify anti-semitism and make it okay it's like oh they didn't actually go through this um you know that's why holocaust education is so important you know people throughout the us and abroad need to know what happened to the Jewish people there, you know, obviously there have been other genocides in the world, but the Holocaust was very unique in its systematic um, nature. And, you know, 
with the rise of anti-Semitism abroad and around the world, you know, I think it, it, it's clear that now more than ever, it is important for allies of the Jewish community to stand up for um, their Jewish brothers and sisters uh, because the people against us are loud. You know, I, you know, I, I one time got a comment on one of my posts um, when I talked about being loud and proud Jew. It's like, well, why do you have to be loud and proud and Jewish? And it's like, and this is something I said to the second gentleman, you know, the people who hate us are loud and proud that they hate us. They're not quiet. They're not whispering, oh, we don't like Jews. They're screaming it. Uh, they're screaming it from the rooftops. They're blasting it online. They are they are fighting. They are working every day to try to convince other people um, to hate Jews and to spread Jewish hatred um, towards Jewish people. And you know, I think that you know Jews have we've always dealt with this, but I, I believe what's making this point in history unique and uniquely bad is now that the internet exists. Is the that misinformation, you know, whether it's Holocaust denial misinformation, whether it's, you know, anti-Semitic tropes, conspiracy theories can spread so rapidly, you know, within seconds, someone can post something on their phone, and it can be viewed by millions of people in the next few minutes. That I think is, is the key. And I think that that's why we need to use that same technology that the anti-Semites are using to do the opposite. You know, we need to be loud on social media. We need to use those same channels and methods they're using to reach people and kind of, you know, stop that bullet of bigotry. You know, before an unknowing person who knows nothing about Jews reads online, oh, the Holocaust didn't happen? Oh, really? Jews control the world? Who, who? That's what they're reading. And maybe they don't know that, that maybe their, you know, their, um, their literacy and, you know, what's true, what they read online is low we need positive representation of, of Jewish people and Jewish um, and true information about um, what, what the Jewish people have gone through in the Holocaust. That's what they should see first, not misinformation. Oh, I apologize. My cats are having a fight. Guys, are you passionate about anti-Semitism? <laughs> they are. <laughs> we, we, you never have to apologize for bringing cats on the podcast. Always welcome. <laughs> Don't judge. Oh my god! You brought. Oh my gosh! What a cute cat! Doja <laughs> <laughs> is very passionate. Named after a Jewish, uh, uh, Doja cat uh, is actually Jewish, and this Doja cat is Jewish. Oh, I love it! <laughs> I love a passionate cat about anti-Semitism. <laughs> um, well, that's great. Look, we've we've spoken uh, uh, quite a bit about some of the uh, unfortunately nasty comments that you have gotten. But let me ask you, in response to your videos about being a, a proud Jew, and even the ones about anti-Semitism, um, have you received any uh, um, comments of, of gratitude or of hope from, from Jewish people or even from allies? Yes. No, I receive, you know, just like there's, uh, you know, an outpouring of hate online, there's also a lot of support. And, you know, I, I do get a lot of messages from fellow Jews, you know, thank you for using your platform to stand up for the Jewish people to provide, you know, this information about Jewish history um, to the world. Um, and and I appreciate that. I mean, it's saying that, you know, I think a lot of people say it's like, oh, it's so brave of you. And like, I, I appreciate that sentiment. But I really encourage anyone to to use whatever platform they have, whether your platform is, you know, you do a club after school with kids that aren't Jewish, who maybe know nothing about anti-Semitism and, you know, bring it up, have a discussion with them, you know, explain to them, you know, why it's important. You know, I think something that also is, you know, not, not known is the direct links of anti-Semitic rhetoric to physical danger of Jewish people. You know, it's no one questions whether or not 
um, you know, the anti-API um, hate directed towards the, that, the Asian and Pacific Islander community during the, the pandemic relating to COVID, whether or not that was a direct link to all the, you know, physical hate crimes and attacks on the API community. No one disputes that. But people do dispute that anti-Semitism leads to direct physical violence, whether it's the shooting at the Pittsburgh synagogue, whether it is the wide, wide amount um, of physical attacks on visibly Jewish people, um, you know, whether you are, you know, whether you have 10,000 followers on Instagram, whether you have 40, 40 followers on Instagram, um, whether you just are schmoozing with someone that you know, like when any opportunity you can. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, for me, it's easy to reach people. You know, I can right now open my phone and post something to reach millions of people. Um, but, you know, the grassroots efforts are, I would even argue, more important than what I do. Mm, wow. You know, it's, it's so interesting because um, I can't help but feel that what you what you do in terms of, you know, you, you're, you're a chef and you post a lot about food. There are links subtly to anti-Semitism. For example, uh, the impact that anti-Semitism has had on the food that Jews eat today. Uh, for example, you know, matzah directly born out of uh, fleeing persecution. Um, is What do you think about uh, the relationship between Jewish food and anti-Semitism. Is this something you've considered before? Yes. Um, it's actually something that, that I've, not funny, but, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'll cook food that I grew, I not grew, oh my God, I didn't grow the food. <laughs> I actually do grow food. That's my garden. Um, but food that I ate growing up, um, you know, because, you know, the history of Jews is that, you know, we've kind of throughout world history, you know, we've lived somewhere then we've been persecuted, kicked out, forced to live somewhere else. We move there. We have a, f a few, good few years. Then we're kicked out again to another place. And we've been kind of just pushed out all throughout the world. Um, and so nowadays, you know, as Jews, you know, Jewish food is so diverse. You know, I was just in Ethiopia um, and I cooked, well, actually this I cooked in Israel after Ethiopia, but with some Ethiopian Jewish women, um, I learned how to make dabo, which is their bread they eat on Shabbat, their traditional Shabbat bread, kind of like we have challah. Um, and, you know, that's their Jewish food. But then, you know, there's Mizrahi Jews who have their own Jewish food. And so I think, you know, growing up in a Jewish community, you know, I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey, um, in a mostly Ashkenazi Jewish community, but there was definitely diversity. There was there were Mizrahi Jews, there were Sephardi Jews, um, you know, there were there 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 was there was um, diversity among the uh, the Jews um, that I grew up with, um, you know. A lot of food that I consider Jewish food is, you know, Middle Eastern food and food that, you know, whether Israeli um, people in the community eat. And so sometimes when I'll post food um, that, you know, I traditionally eat, um, you know, you'll get comments sometimes on it's like that, like Jews stole this food. Or like, you know, if you make Israeli food, a very common uh, comment you'll get is like Israeli stole Palestinian food or like stole this food. And it's like, actually, we live there also. Now, I may not have lived there, but the Jewish people have, and it has become part of our culture because we live there. And also, we're forced to assimilate. Um, and so this idea of Jews, you know, assimilating via food, often online, I find there are people that are like, Jews stole this food, Jews stole that food. And it's like, 
it, it's it's just it blows my mind because the history behind it. it's the same reason when people are like well so many jews are in media uh where do you think we were allowed to work yeah. when we moved to the u.s we weren't allowed to work in most other industries we were allowed to work in entertainment and now and now you're mad about that right. and so you know it's saying that it's it's i wouldn't say it's funny but i would say it's ironic that a lot of things that anti-Semites will say negatively about Jews, we didn't even choose. You know, we didn't we didn't necessarily choose to all work in entertainment or not all, but a lot of us to work in entertainment. Uh, that's what we were allowed to work in. You know, we didn't choose to have such a diverse food. I'm sure we would have been very happy chilling in uh, the land of Israel for the last 3000 years, just eating food there. Um, but no, we were kicked out and sent all over the world. And so it's something that I always find ironic with anti-Semitism is a lot of the beliefs um, are things that have been done to us, not done by us. Yes, done to us, and then we get the blame for it still. Uh, yeah. Eitan, um, I, I want to ask you a question now, which I ask all of our guests, uh, which is if someone who is not Jewish approaches you and says that they want to help in the fight against anti-Semitism, where should they start? I think the first thing they should start with is making sure they're well-versed in it, reading up on anti-Semitism, understanding, okay, what was the Holocaust? You know, like truly understanding the extent of the Holocaust, you know, learning, you know, about the different, the death camps, the concentration camps, the Eisensgruppen, getting well-versed in Holocaust education, I think gives a good context to a lot of the current issues. Um, and then I think, you know, listening to Jewish voices um, out there and, you know, not not telling Jews what the problem is, but listening. Um, and then I think just, you know, being an advocate, showing up for Jews, you know, when, you know, there's a mass shooting at a synagogue, God forbid, hopefully there will be another, but, you know, when there's an attack on the Jewish people, whether it's physical or verbal, you know, showing up for, for, for your fellow Jews, whether it's in person at a protest, whether it's online on social media, um, you know, I think just showing up is important. You know, there's a lot of different, you know, marginalized groups that, you know, people are very quick to post supportive online. Um, and I think the Jewish people are not always on that list of people that, you know, a lot of people quickly post about. Um, and I think just simply showing up and being there, um, you know, for for your Jewish brothers and sisters, um, I think is is very important. Um, and I think the main thing is just, you know, getting well versed in it, you know, knowledge is power. I think just simply showing up and trying to be as knowledgeable as possible is what I would say, um, because that knowledge can empower you to, you know, you know, make other people allies and help educate other people to, you know, support the Jewish people. Absolutely. And if anyone is looking for a good resource on antisemitism, uh, I would like to suggest antisemitism.org. That is our, our website. Please go to that to learn more about antisemitism. Uh, now, Eitan, before we uh, leave, please tell the listeners, what have you got going on? What have you got coming up? And where can people find you? Yes. Yeah, so you can find me anywhere on social media at Eitan, E-I-T-A-N. Um, on Twitter and Facebook, it's Aton Bernath, also my last name, so E-I-T-A-N-B-E-R-N-A-T-H. Um, right now, I just got back uh, from my trip to Israel and Ethiopia, um, and so I'm excited to, you know, spend the summer here in New York City. Um, and, you know, I haven't done too much normal cooking content in a while because I've been doing a lot of travel, so I'm excited um, for that. 
Um, and yeah, just, you know, continuing to, you know, expand in different ways across social media and finding new fun ways um, to both entertain people, hopefully you'll learn something in the process, um, and share my, my love of food. Um, and of course, also, you know, I try to, from time to time, uh, sneak in some uh, education um, about, um, you know, Jewish history and, you know, combating anti-Semitism, but a lot of fun food. It's, it, I, I like to have fun. You know, I, I, I think talking about these topics are important and necessary and, you know, the key to, um, you know, Jewish security. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, the core of what I'd love to do is, is have fun in the kitchen. Absolutely. Eitan, I think what you're doing is, is tremendous. Uh, Eitan Berner, thank you so much for coming on Podcast Against Anti-Semitism. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Podcast Against Antisemitism. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a nice rating or email any feedback to podcast.antisemitism.org. Until next Thursday, stay safe.